Hey there, I'm Amadal Yakbar. And I'm Tabir Akhtar. Uh, you may remember Tabir from the Jin episode of See Something, Say Something. She'll be the co-host this week on the podcast. Um, if you're listening for the first time, See Something, Say Something is the BuzzFeed podcast where we drink jai, tell stories, and talk about being Muslim in America. Uh, this week, we'll be talking to college students about their lives, but also what it feels like to be a Muslim student on campus right now. If you see something, you better, you better say something. Nothing at all, nothing at all. I brought Thabir in because, like, teens and the youth are something that's very close to your heart. <laughs> You've been telling me I need to talk to young people like for weeks, every time we talk about new episodes. Yeah, I've been bugging him with forever that he should be doing a teen episode. We should just make a teen podcast, really. But finally he listened to me, and now we have these two amazing teens who are sitting next to me. Teens are really important to me. <laughs> teens are the future. You know, your deputy social media director at BuzzFeed, you... You know, care what the teens think? I love them, and <laughs> I want to know what they care about and what they don't care about, and then how I can improve my life. So, we've invited two NYU students in today. Romesa Benzazoon. Hey. Whose essay, I'm Muslim, but my roommate supports Trump, uh, was published in the New York Times. And Zainab Babakir, is that correct? Hi, it's Zainab. Zainab Babakir, who's also a freshman at NYU um, and studying engineering there. Yes. You guys are actually friends, right? Yes. No, we're not actually (laughs) friends. (laughs) I knew that I was friends with Zainab when she came to my dorm room to hang out once. It was probably the first time. And we walked inside the common room area and there was just like a basket of baguettes in the common room area. And without thinking twice, she just walked straight past and grabbed a single baguette and started eating it. And I was like, this is the one. (laughs) (laughs) The start of every beautiful friendship starts with bread. Um, So before we jump in, we should get to know you a little bit. So we're going to ask you some rapid fire questions. Okay. Um, Let's start with Romesa. Where are you from? I'm from Astoria, Queens, so like 40 minutes away from here with public transit. Um, Yeah, I was born and raised there. So I'm a New Yorker. Yeah. And uh, what kind of Muslim community did you grow up in? Oh, I grew up in a, in one of the biggest ones, I think, in the city. It's called Little Egypt, which is like kind of a misnomer because I feel like it's equally Moroccan. I'm Moroccan, so I have a lot of problems with that name. <laughs> <laughs> what year are you in school? I'm and a freshman. You're a freshman. Mm-hmm. Fun. How's freshman year going? It's only like three months in, but high school seems so far away. Just everything is is different, even though you're in the city. Just the experience of being in college is different. Like, just I don't know, figuring out laundry, classes, jobs, stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm gonna really sound like your mom right now. Davir hates hates this question. I can just look at her face. She's like, <laughs> "This is the f- okay." You're making this me is, ask. I'm making her ask the auntie is, questions. Yeah, this is definitely Emma's questions, and I want to apologize that all the lame questions I'm are a, actually. I'm, my handle is RadBrownDads on Twitter. I am dad, basically. <laughs> Not a real dad, but like... He's making me, f- like, put myself in this mom position, and I'm cool like you guys. Anyway, um, <laughs> do you have a major or <laughs> any area of interest you want to pursue in school? Um, right now, I'm interested in the English department and the Middle Eastern and Islamic Studies department, but I don't really know where I'm going from there. Like, I know what classes I'm interested in taking, but I don't know what I'll major in yet. It's okay. 
So the last question for uh, Rumesa that we ask everybody is, how do you take your tea? Do you, are you a tea drinker? Yes, I love tea. Um, this tea is fine. <laughs> uh, oh, please, please, please okay, tell so. the audience the type of tea that Emma gave you. Oh my god! Um, wow. And a podcast that centered right around tea. No, I I love tea. <laughs> I didn't mean to sound snobbish, but he gave me Earl Grey, <laughs> which I feel like Earl Grey and like all the breakfast teas and the British teas and stuff all taste like Lipton, except Lipton is cheaper. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I I like my my teas with a little bit of personality. Oh, <laughs> okay. I will take your recommendations afterwards. <laughs> you send me the best teas, and I'll get them for the next guest. <laughs> I'm willing your, to admit when I've made a mistake. Send us your I'm best so tea glad. recommendations. I'm already like making big changes up here. All right, so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna ask the same question to Zanup. Um, the first question is, where are you from? Well, my family's from North Africa. They're Sudanese. I was born in Saudi Arabia, grew up there. And also grew up in Richmond, Virginia, and then grew up near D.C. in Fairfax, Virginia. And now my family lives in New Jersey and my dad lives in Saudi Arabia. Wow, you, so you've moved down, you've moved around a lot? Yeah. So you've seen a lot of things? Yes. Talked to a lot of people? A lot of people, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Similar question, but I mean, I think it's going to be different for you, of course. Yeah. Uh, is what kind of Muslim community did you grow up in? Well, I grew up around... A lot of different Muslim communities. So I lived for a year in Sudan with my grandparents. The Muslim community around me was basically just my family, my extended family. They were all Sudanese. I didn't know anything except for that community. It was very loving. It was very caring. I didn't know much about my religion. When I moved to Saudi Arabia, I went to an international school. So a lot of the Muslims I knew were from different parts of the world, and their parents were non-Saudis, most of them, who lived in the country for work. So it was a very diverse Muslim community. And I met a lot of different Muslims, some who were practicing, some who weren't practicing. I learned a lot throughout my time in Saudi Arabia about my religion, but I also feel like what I learned was very one-sided, and it was more about how Islam works in the government in Saudi Arabia and more about, like, policy and how Islam influences that, Mm -hmm. even though the people around me were diverse. And then when I moved to Richmond, as far as mindsets go, that was the most diverse Muslim community I was around. A lot of them were Sudanese. I knew some Egyptians. I knew, I think, one Moroccan. Um, (laughs) The second. (laughs) And a few Southeast Asian Muslims. And it was more about how do you reconcile living within the like boundaries that you set sure with your religion and living in like a western society and it was very interesting that was a time where i was most interested in my religion because there were so many like forces that were opposing my religion because i feel like in saudi arabia if you're muslim it's very accepted like right. everybody's muslim everybody <laughs> you know for the most part It's all around you all the time, but you don't think about it. And then when I moved to Richmond, I thought about it a lot because it's so scarce and people are always like, oh, look, it's this extremist religion. It's so crazy. And it made me like more introspective and it made me like think a lot about how like religion fits into my family and how it fits into the society that I live in and how I follow it and how other people follow it. So why did you choose NYU in New York? I came to New York from Richmond, and I chose NYU, A, because they did give me a lot of scholarship money, (laughs) but B, because it's New York, and everything's in New York, and I love fashion, and I can go out and, like, look at what people are wearing, and that's amazing (laughs) to me. 
Yeah. And there's it's, so much to do. For Michigan, do. I mean, yeah, yeah. Looking around at people's clothes in Michigan was not fun compared exactly. to New York. It's in New York, same it's with, like, like, Virginia. Everyone is in, like, duck boots and, like, <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, it's disgusting. Nobody knows how to dress. Like, <laughs> I mean, is that why you insulted my duck boots? In yes. Literally oh, <laughs> <laughs> gave me war flashbacks. Like, I was... Like, triggered or PTSD. I was so triggered. Okay. Sweet. So the last question. How do you take your tea? One thing to note is that caffeine does nothing for me. Like, growing up Arab, like, I started drinking tea <laughs> and coffee at, like, three. Um, unlike Ramesa, though, I like Earl Grey because I feel like when you have tea that doesn't have personality, you enhance it with your personality. Uh, so if you that have was, that's the bland, worst thing I've ever heard. If you have a bland gonna personality, right it's going to be a problem. Usually every week we ask people what they're thinking about in a segment we call See Something, Say Something. Mm -hmm. It's the name of the show. Um, but Davir is going to ask the question this week instead and do yeah. it in her much cooler way than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to know, what are you guys obsessed with right now? What are you obsessed with? <laughs> well, I have a couple things that I'm just constantly obsessed with. First, unsweetened iced green tea from Dunkin' Donuts. Hmm. So... Shout out to them. Mm. Uh, second, See, I'm, I'm judging you. You're talking about my Earl Grey tea <laughs> and you like that stuff? I love green tea. Oh, it's the most dad thing to ever say. <laughs> Why would you go uh, out and buy tea when we I have mean, it at home? Perfectly good almond tea right here. I like Duncan too. I was just being, I was just lashing out. <laughs> How about you, Zainab? What are you obsessed with? Obsessed with, I, oh my God. I used to be obsessed with a lot of things, but I feel like I don't have time to be obsessed with things mm, right now. Too real. Um, uh. Let me see. Okay. This is going to sound stupid, but I love reality TV. That is my go-to. Like, if I'm having a shitty day, I will sit down and watch, like, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Ooh, I was just going to mention. I'll watch, oh. I'll even watch, like, home improvement shows. <laughs> like yes. Property Brothers. What's your favorite one? My favorite home improvement show is the, I forgot what it's called, but it's the one where the couple. Fixer Upper. Yeah, that's what it's called. <laughs> yes! Yes! That was so quick. Yes. I watched that with my siblings all the time. Same. I'm, I'm obsessed and I've watched multiple episodes multiple times yeah that shows so to the great. point where i remember which house they fixed up but also another thing i'm obsessed with is meeting people i love meeting people like i will stop strangers on the street which is scary in new york i probably shouldn't be doing that <laughs> yeah, but nope like i remember the other day i had like literally a five minute conversation with this lady about her shoes and i was late to class so like i was already late to class and then i stopped her What's been your experience on campus being visibly Muslim? Some days it's like, oh, okay, because people see me to a degree as like the face of my religion because I do like right. cover and like I'm outwardly obviously Muslim, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you're very conscious of that and you're like, okay, well, let me present a good like face to like so these people come out with like a better idea of like what what I believe in and what I represent as a person. But then sometimes you think like, you don't want to do that. You know, you want to be who you are. I just dress how I want to dress. And I just assume that people categorize me as like outside of the norm regardless.
you guys are in this really interesting moment where you you know you're just starting school and like a virulent islamophobe has been elected president you know something like america hasn't seen before and i want to know what it's like to be a college student right now and what it feels how it feels to be like a visibly muslim college student so Ramesa wrote this essay that was called i'm muslim but my roommate supports trump and what that was sort of about was like this idea that there are people in your life that the election may have changed your perception of them that you didn't know that they were like able to at least accept a little bit of the Islamophobia around Trump's campaign. Can you talk about that experience a little bit? Yeah, I think it was really hard for me initially um, just to acknowledge that people I care about and who I thought cared about me um, didn't really care about me to the extent I thought they did. Because I I still firmly believe that if someone like really cares about me, they're not going to want to elect this person who has said like, oh, like I won't rule out putting your people in a registry and like having uh, and like giving them special IDs. That's like very scary talk. And I feel like you have to be in a place of privilege to dismiss that talk and be like, oh, well, nothing's going to happen. Oh, that obviously like I, I feel like I can't say that. And I feel like many people who look like me can't say that and can't dismiss that sort of thing. But at the same time, a lot of good came out of the election because I found I think my real friend group, like Mm. the people who were with me that night and in the days that followed and kind of checked up on me and like, who did you go to to me? Who did you go to find on the night after the election? Well, you mentioned in the essay, you go and find solace in some like black Muslim women, basically, right? Yeah. There's this like amazing group of people called the MLK Scholars Group. Shout out. (laughs) Which is how you guys met, right? Yeah. Yeah. We were both in the group. Um, They're the coolest people I met at NYU. And I think we were, a lot of us were together at around the time of the election. After the election, it became clear uh, which people were really passionate about the causes that I was passionate about. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's been a big part of like overarching sentiment, like an overwhelming sort of feeling that a lot of people have felt that half of America just voted that they don't, they don't care about me or my life or my safety or my identity or the people that I care about. Like, because sometimes... Mm -hmm. College is like this midpoint and a lot of people identify it as such as like a midpoint between being a kid, but then also like having one one foot in childhood and one foot in adulthood where you're living in like a space that isn't home, but it still feels very much like a closed community, like this campus. How does it feel to be in that space where like you're walking around? Do you ever like look at people and be like, I wonder who they voted for or are they for me or against me? I wrote about that in my article, but just like walking through the streets of New York City, which I've always felt like safe in, which always felt like home to me. And just like finding myself looking at these strangers and think, whose side are they on? Like, because there were a bunch of Trump supporters out on that night. Like, I think the most tragic thing about this outcome of the elections for Muslim people is just like a confirmation of the fears that they've always sort of carried around in this country, especially post 9-11. Like I know, um, especially if you're the child of immigrants and also Muslim, but your parents have this kind of baggage, like be careful what you say, like you're not really, you will never really be accepted here. You have to know your place, you know, that they're, they're looking at you with this kind of suspicion, this kind of paranoia. And I felt like I've spent so much of my life fighting back against that and saying like, I'm not going to walk around fearing that people are suspicious of me. Um, 
people are going to love me. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. And my of course natural charm and my matte lipstick. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, and I don't have to think about that sort of thing. It was just so crushing, I think, to have that confirmation that, yes, you are right. Like, they're looking at you, and they are thinking these things about you, and you've always been right about that. I had those same conversations with my parents. When 9-11 happened, I was, like, 13, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they always told me to be careful, and I was like, nothing is going to happen to me. Like, things are going to get better, you know, and I think as I got older and I went through college, I insulated myself more and more from, like, people that could kind of hurt me in that sort of way that they have these ideas about Muslims that strip me of my humanity. When this happened, I knew like I'm more insulated from that than like I used to be when I was in college. And so many people on social media have made that parallel between uh, 9-11 and 11-9. Like there's conversations happening all over the internet about it, but also within families, like you're saying, where your families are going back to those conversations you had 15 years ago, be like, maybe don't wear the hijab or maybe don't wear a hijab on public So last week, we also put out a call to hear from college students about what they're feeling, Um, similar to how we're talking to you guys. And we heard this really, really great piece from a student at Philadelphia, uh, which I think we should all take a listen to. I've always said this to be true, but particularly so after the election. I think when I walk around campus, like I look at everybody and I mentally mark them as like safe and uns- or not unsafe necessarily, but like uncertain where like people who are marked safe are people who I know I can trust or people who I know have a Muslim friend or people who I know is like a friend of my friend who is pretty liberal. And like, that's always been true, but I think it's been increasingly true since last week. And I think that sucks because I hate what I'm doing in some ways is eerily similar to profiling. I don't know how what I'm doing is okay or good compared to like when other people make racist judgments about others. Do, Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm also just profiling people and I don't feel good about it. But I also just like walk around thinking about people as like safe and unsafe, even though I know the reason I'm doing that is because other people are also doing it, except in their minds, like I'm the one who's unsafe for them. Like that hit me so hits me so hard. Um, Zainab, how about you as someone who is someone who wasn't born in America? What are your sort of thoughts about the outcome of the election? I don't know. I feel so many things. Um, But I feel like what you were talking about, about like, you know, growing up in New York and like always feeling like you're secure in the community and then having that like shift. To question that. Yeah. And then having to question that. I feel like it's a little bit different for me. And like this is going to sound very depressing. But growing up in the South, my assumption is that everybody already has a bad opinion of me Hmm. in my daily life. And, like, I'm optimistic in the sense that, like, I would approach relationships trying to change that idea, but I would always have the assumption in the back of my mind that these people are not accepting of me and they already have, like, preconceived notions of who I am that are very negative. So it's different. I don't feel any different than I felt when I lived in Virginia. 
Can, can I ask you something? Yes. There was actually an incident of vandalism at NYU where you guys go to school. Right. Can you tell us about that? And did that, that didn't shake you at all? Okay. So basically, um, for anyone who doesn't know, um, I go to Tandon, which is the engineering school at NYU. And the day after the election, somebody wrote the word Trump on the MSA door, the Muslim Student Association prayer door. And basically, you know, administration responded. They responded very vaguely, which is like problematic in itself. They were like, oh, we should all be nice to each other. You know, let's not disrespect each other, not labeling it as a hateful act or even a breach of like security for a lot of the Muslims who live on campus. I feel like that incident in particular was shaking because on the daily, like I'll t- like when I say bye to my friends, I'll be like, oh, okay, you know, have a good day, be safe. But like be safe to me never really entailed that my safety would be mm. in question. But now I feel like mm-hmm. I have to think about say. that a lot. I could potentially be harmed today, you know, like it's just another thing that you have to think about. So I feel like that, yeah, that was definitely a shift of perspective for me. I think I wrote about this again, but like if you're not safe, like at your college, in your community, in your hometown, whatever, where are you supposed to be safe? Right. I don't even think the incident was surprising. I think it was like it's horrific and it's sad, but like I don't I wasn't surprised that something like this Mm -hmm. would happen. It's just strange for it to happen so close Mm -hmm. to home. Like I literally go to school here. I like see that prayer door every day. I came to a school that's like generally deemed very progressive. So like to think that like someone among the student body that I go to school with on the daily like has these thoughts. They're not just a Trump supporter. It's a Trump supporter that knows and is okay with Trump being Islamophobic and not even just that like they'll go to the lengths to like be hateful towards people because a lot of the argument that pe- like Trump supporters make is oh I don't agree with him socially but his economic policies which are already like not that great and I don't think he's going to do much for the economy but like we don't have to talk about that right now um yeah I think that's funny a lot of people, people have, you've been using economic yeah, anxieties as a they'll say for- like I really don't agree with his social policies and I really don't think he's hateful he was just saying those things but to think that somebody knew those things thought about them and like committed an act inspired by that is ridiculous to me. I think it's interesting that you said you weren't surprised by it. Why were you not surprised by it? I mean, I wasn't surprised by it because I feel like a lot of the people who are Trump supporters, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them do have, you know, problematic views about immigrants and problematic views about anyone who's not white. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing is, like, ever since Trump came in the running he like emboldened all these people who already have these racist views to go out and commit acts that you know maybe they were already thinking about but now the fact that there's a like a prime leader in the country who's okay with doing these things and saying these things I didn't think that these things were not going to happen like I I was expecting things to happen yeah I think a lot of people of color have felt that way where they were not as surprised. This moment has been really eye-opening for a lot of white people across America where it's like, wait, our country is racist? <laughs> right. And as like, if, like, black people haven't been talking about this right. since slavery, but it's fine. You know, like, now that white people see it, it's real. I think somebody told me that morning, they asked me, how are you doing? And I, 
I said, uh, I always knew it was possible. <laughs> and, right. and, and they said the response was, you know, I think pessimists are taking it the best. Mm-hmm. You know, like for me, I, I never thought I would see a, a black president elected either. And I take that still as like an anomaly in yeah. many ways. You know, like the country is still, you know, struggles with issues of white supremacy and xenophobia. And right. I feel like we've also seen a lot of support on college campuses right? yeah yeah let's talk about the that protective circles on, on you michigan and where people are standing in solidarity with muslims and saying here while you pray we're going to form a protective circle around you like did you guys see that yeah i mean yeah. i've seen a lot of different things i haven't seen that one in particular kind but... of brought a tear to my eye <laughs> it was it's my campus yeah it was oh, wow. like yeah it was pretty powerful to see that that's awesome. Have there been any displays of solidarity or has anyone even like individually reached out to you to be like, give you a hug and be like, I won't let anything happen to you? It far overshadows the negative almost like all the solidarity mm-hmm. that I've seen. I haven't seen the protective circles, but like so many people have reached out to me, people from home, people I haven't talked to for forever, people I just met, like strangers, just like smiling or asking me how I'm doing or what they can do. That's been really nice. And also, like, I remember this one moment that stood out to me was in one of the days after the election. I was traveling somewhere. I don't remember where, but I was just walking through the streets. And this lady has a bouquet of roses and she just, like, gives one to me. Mm. And I was like, oh, wow. And it didn't even turn into a huge conversation. She was like, hey, do you want a rose? And I was like, sure. It's still in my room. (laughs) Yeah. So that, that really touched me. Are you guys involved in any student organizing around it? Is there any response that you guys are involved in at all? I'm not, like, on the board with any clubs, but, like, for the MSA, we organized a rally, one at Tandon and one at the Manhattan campus. So people came and, um, you know, somebody performed a spoken word piece. A lot of people spoke. It was very interesting, and a lot of people from different religious groups around the school attended mm-hmm. it was packed there was a great turnout. yeah like I couldn't hear anything because I was like all the way in the back and yeah I was like, ah. you know there are a lot of good things happening and we really should promote all the good things that are happening but we also shouldn't lose sight of all the bad things that are happening I agree. because I yeah. feel like a lot of my white friends are like it's gonna be fine like you know he's he's gonna he, be president but you he know, don't the actually next do years, those things yeah. yeah yeah and these are not even like they're not Trump supporters but they're like it's gonna be okay like it's just a presidency that we lost like it's gonna be fine yeah you get to say that because it's gonna be fine for, for you. you. But, you know, it's not going to be fine for a lot of us. I've seen also there's just increasing evidence that it's not going to be fine. Like, I think what shocked me the most after reports of all these hateful incidents across the U.S. that were pretty much directly caused by Trump's presidency was that Trump didn't actually take much of a stand against them. For all the months of spewing rhetoric against different groups, he should have said something more than stop it. That's simply not enough. And the fact that he didn't take a strong stance against violence or um, hateful rhetoric or anything like that worried me. And also, like, you see his recent cabinet appointments, like Jeff Sessions for attorney general, which I just found out today, like, was deemed too racist to be a federal judge. In Alabama. And all of a sudden, it's like like the the 80s. 80s. And all of a sudden, (laughs) it's like, like, now he can assume this position of incredible power. Yeah, like, do you know how racist you have to be to get flagged for racism? (laughs) In Alabama in the 80s? In Alabama? (laughs) Do you have to? I love what you just said no it's insane like it really is and i can't even i feel like i don't even have the energy to entertain any arguments that tell me that it's going to be fine it's really not and people need to accept that
So, yeah, and then I think that's a totally valid expression of this moment, you know, but I do also want to hear from you guys as people who are starting this, you know, important journey in your life. This is a very dad question. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but I, I want to know, like, you know, it's four years. You're you're probably graduating from college. There's the next election is coming up. Where do you guys see yourself? Where do you guys see America? What do you see yourself doing and planning? The magic year of 2020 that everyone keeps looking forward to. Honestly, I've stopped making predictions about this nation, so I'm not going to do that. Fair enough. How about yourself? How about yourself? Smart girl. Keep it personal. I I agree with that. Mesa, totally. For myself, I just, I see myself writing. That's all I can say concretely, like since I don't even know what I'm going to major in. Writing personal stuff or maybe more journalistic stuff. That's what I like to do. And so I see myself doing that. How about um, you, Zainab? For me, I feel like the next four years are going to be more about becoming more socially aware and aligning myself with different groups of people who are going through different things as far as, you know, being accepted in society goes. I've been involved with, like, Black Lives Matter and, like, you know, just different Muslim groups because those are the groups that I align myself with. But something that's important for us to do during this time is you know, get more educated and understand the different things that different communities are going through and come together in that way. We're such a diverse nation, and that's not represented in our political sphere. And the leaders of this country don't represent the people of this country, like whether that be in policy or even in the way that you look. So I just, I feel like, you know, empathizing more with different people and understanding their issues so you imagine yourself a more empathetic and i would hope so after <laughs> yeah, college, yeah. You know? hopefully because like you're really mean to me okay <laughs> like <laughs> i mean i already i consider myself it's an empathetic person mm. now like i can empathize <laughs> with the, like different people's struggles but it's not i don't feel like i'm educated enough and like i can't tell you problems that go on in the jewish community i can't tell you problems that go on in the catholic community or different sects of christianity or even the lgbtq community even though i have friends in all of those communities i feel like i don't know enough yeah and i'm not well versed people do that they're like oh yeah well my best friend is muslim so basically oh yeah. my god um, <laughs> just anything that starts out like that it's I like know. that's sort of been one of the consequences right because Donald Trump has made hate so intersectional. Uh, sort of a consequence of that has been people aligning themselves with other marginalized groups. Like, oh, I see you, and I see you, and I see you. No, but I feel like in the like general scheme of things, as far as like how policy goes and how you're treated in society, it, it comes down to being white and straight or not white and straight. And we could say white straight males and yeah. then non-white straight males, but even that like runs in different hierarchies and it's very interesting to think about. But also, what am I doing at an engineering school? Like, <laughs> it's just going to public policy. That's what There's college is for. There's time. You got plenty of time. Tabir has a like she brought a bunch of questions into the studio that she was uh, desperate to ask you guys that would sound very embarrassing coming from me <laughs> a lot of these are just some th- questions that I really want to know the answers to because mm-hmm. now I have access to really cool teens right in front of me and I can't <laughs> help but a- ask these questions I have is it red or read receipts red 
Okay. Um, is Facebook still cool? No. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> Literally, Facebook is, like, I only have it because it's necessary. Like, everybody, like, that's where I get my invitations to things. But, like, no. Okay. Um, what celebrities are over? Iggy Azalea. No, but she was never she, like in. Honestly. <laughs> uh, ouch. Okay. Um, I don't know. And my final question, which again is really all over the place, I have written here: boys? Question mark. Let's talk about Muslim boys just really quickly. Uh, yes. Do we no? like them? Um, do we like Muslim boys? They're uh, they're problematic for the most part, <laughs> but uh, there are some good ones. I mean. Shout out to Omar. He's a cool one. Oh, that's my favorite. Yeah. Yes. Who's so, Omar? He is um, an RA in my building who is just like the coolest, sweetest, and most intelligent Muslim guy you'll ever meet. Mm-hmm. So there are exceptions. Yeah. Shout out to the exceptions. Yes. Great. That's fair. That's a good answer. That was amazing. It was so good to have you. I feel like I feel... Like a, you know, so much pride and joy that you guys are, you know, in there kicking ass at NYU. Uh, thank you, Romesa, and thank you, uh, Zenob. You <laughs> thank- still said it. Wrong. I know I can't. It's hard. It's just I'm too Daisy man. It's okay. I was just it's my sister. You it's know, it's fine. I um, love all my Daisy friends. <laughs> thank you so much for being on, and you know, keep writing, and you know. Thank you for it. telling me if boys are cool and if Facebook is cool. No problem. Also, I think your listeners need to know I finished my tea. Yay! So. Mm-hmm. And I did not. It was okay. Oh, twist. Yeah, look oh. how the tables have turned. Where can people follow you? I don't think anyone wants to follow me, but if you do, That's true. I'm at Free the Lioness on Twitter for no particular reason. Cool. We'll put <laughs> link outs to those in the description and awesome. some of uh, uh, Rumesa's writing as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, true. Yeah. Yay. Also, I feel like I should have mentioned this before when we were talking about like good things, but um, a lot of people reached out to me um, via Facebook after like I could I guess via like message requests, and I couldn't even respond to them all. But they were from people all around the world, like Switzerland, Italy, like you name it. I was just floored, really? like all these people being like, "I'm I'm not quite going through what you're going through right now, but I feel for you and yeah. I appreciate your writing." And thank you for writing this, which really felt really good, even, I guess, during the darkest hours, to to yeah. feel like I could still connect with this global community and still connect with people um, after the elections happen. So that's an important. Well, good to know Facebook is useful for something. <laughs> At the end of every episode, I, I do plug our my Twitter handle and uh, our email, say something at BuzzFeed.com. And, you know, I've been reading every email and every tweet about the show. And so of our producers, uh, Eleanor, Meg, Megan, all the Pod Squad people. Um, and the reaction has been really amazing. And I'm so excited that uh, See Something, Say Something has resonated with so many people and been a part of their uh, new listening routine from both Muslims and non-Muslims. Uh, I wanted to share a few with the listeners, um, and uh, I especially got a lot about my dad, <laughs> which is amazing because my dad, I am my dad's biggest fan. 
So uh, Christina Bacalso on Twitter said, can't say it enough, but POC-centered millennial pods are giving me life right now. Shoutouts to another round and Rad Brown Dad's See Something Say Something. Uh, Seance on Twitter <laughs> said, so I started listening to See Something Say Something podcast by R- Rad Brown Dads and holy hell, my week just got made. And then of course, there's all these ones about my dad. Um, Palendia said, your dad is so cool. So, so cool. Mashallah. <laughs> when he said, okay, are we hanging up right now? Okay, I love you. I melted. So Mr. T. Steph said, your dad is the best. One, he's so loving. And two, you can tell your friends. Thanks for sharing him. Um, yeah, I love sharing him with the world. That's like my whole thing. That's why my Twitter is Rad Brown Dads. And he is really loving. Like on the second time he meets you, if you're one of my friends, he will kiss you on the head. He does that every single time. He's very loving. Venus in Spurs said, I really love this episode. The complexities and compassions of Muslim parents, especially in America, are so rarely explored. They don't get to have layers any more than we, their children, do. And it's really cool to get to hear about them, too. Um, I always think about that with my dad because, uh, you know, people always act like we're, like, I am, like, the good kind of Muslim. But every type of person has complexity and layers in the Muslim community. And we need to highlight all sorts of voices, not just, like, the young, hip, millennial types. So I think that was really cool that people responded to my dad. This episode was produced by Eleanor Kagan, Megan Dietry, and Meg Kramer. Additional production support from Dabir Akhtar, Julia Ferlin, Nina Patak, and Chiquita Pascal. Our music is by the Kaminas. You can find them at kaminas.bandcamp.com. Find me on Twitter at radbrowndads, and I have a Tumblr also called radbrowndads. You can find my writing at buzzfeed.com slash Email us at saysomething at buzzfeed.com. And if you like the show, please rate it on iTunes. I'm Amadal Yakbar. Thanks for listening. Is Snapchat the cool app? <laughs> Extra bonus to be a question. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that is completely off the cuff. <laughs> she needs to know. She I guess it know. is. I think it is. Okay.